Yo, everybody. It is the TLDR podcast. We are on episode 35, I believe, because I missed last week. And uh, according to my numbers, that seems to be what it is. Um, usually we, we go right into it, uh, introducing all the boys, seeing how everyone's doing. But first thing first, this week, I just wanted to thank all the listeners. Um, we've gone 35 weeks of doing this. You know, some of us have missed episodes all in all 35 weeks in uh we wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys um all your support uh listening to us you know battle on about all these different stats and sports and pop culture you know we just wanted to send our thanks out um for all your continued support so you know we're gonna keep bringing the heat for you guys uh we're gonna keep it rolling uh speaking of heat uh, me and Alex had an intense fantasy hockey matchup this week. Um, he put up 950 points and somehow still lost to me. Uh, it must be my goalie selection. I don't know. But Alex, <laughs> how you doing? That was a battle. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I think I missed a day of like editing my lineup, uh, which probably didn't help. But I was on vacation. So I'll still take being six and one overall or whatever my record is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, your team is on fire right now. Yeah, I'm actually kind of worried. Like, a team is too early. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a trend, especially in hockey. Um, another thing, breaking news today, uh, Albert Pujols announced this will be his last season in the MLB. James, are you nervous, anxious, sad, worried, happy? And also, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm a little tired. Started work at 7 a.m. It's going to be like that for the rest of my life. So it's going to suck. But in terms of the Albert Pools thing, it sucks to say, but I'm happy. Like, he was a big contract, and he wasn't really producing. I don't know. I'm sure we'll get to that later, but he wasn't really producing as of late. In the time of September, I think he played, like, three games or something. Like, it's going to be nice to, you know, pave the way for new guys like Jared Walsh. Which again, I'll talk about later. But yeah, Albert Pujols is a great first ball Hall of Famer, but I'm glad he's in his retire. Yeah, I mean, I guess he, the only thing he's done is just get them a bunch of hits and home runs, but probably not when it mattered. It was like already when they were out of the playoffs, which has been like the story of the Angels. Um, we'll get to them later. I don't want to ramble on about them too much yet. Tyler, the Kings are buzzing they are yes. currently in a playoff spot uh don't blink too fast let's hope they keep it up uh are you nervous anxious happy sad and also how are you doing uh, about the kings i'm very happy uh surprisingly happy uh we'll talk more about that in trading segment uh but overall doing great um the college baseball season kicked off this weekend uh so that was super fun uh so we're out full full grind mode uh we'll be at UCLA tomorrow night. Uh, so looking forward to that one. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much my, my, my weekend was spending it with uh, LMU baseball. Um, so super happy that the, the college nice. baseball season is back. So it feels good to have some live baseball back. Uh, so yeah. very, very happy about that. I was like, why are you bringing this up? And then I was like, oh yeah, fuck. I forgot. That's your job now. Um, yeah. Congrats on that. Late congratulations. Um, Thanks, bud. Last but not least, Traden, uh, I see it, from what it looks like, Lake Tahoe behind you, uh, not melted. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good, man. Um, speaking of Tahoe, the NHL was in Lake Tahoe, and so were so was I. Um, fiance and I went up there and, and skied a bit with her with her family. Uh, and we got it was interesting because we went the same weekend as the NHL had their two games, which was it was pretty cool. Um, I mean, there was no spectators, so we weren't really able to see much, but still, uh, it was still a pretty cool spectacle. Um, yeah, overall, it was it, it was a great weekend. So were you able to see the arena like from like the top of a mountain or something? Yeah. Or? yeah. So the last day on our last run, we were able to see it in the distance, but it was still pretty far away. Um, I mean, y- you could tell it was there, but it, it, you couldn't make out much, but it, it definitely, it was very cool right along the side, the, the, the beach there, just a beautiful uh, backdrop. Nice. That That's cool. I didn't even realize you were there. Um, let's get right into it, trading. Uh, NHL, lots of things going on. You yeah, always man. got get some good things to talk about. Let's get right into it. Yeah, man. Um, well, I got to start out with the uh, the the fantasy hockey, as you guys already kind of alluded to. Um, I beat Mike today uh, this week with 999 points, second in the uh, in the league this week behind you, Eric. That was an incredible win. Uh, James, you won your three your three wins in a, in a row now. Um, and let's see, Eric, you, you, you obviously beat Alex, uh, and, and, uh, Tyler, you lost to Jess, my dude. You yeah. Lost to Jess. <laughs> you lost to Jess. Brutal. Damn, bro. Brutal. Damn. Actually, the worst you weekend. had the worst, you had the worst point total. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, it was brutal, embarrassing. brutal week, uh, but no, still I'm it's but, not a big but, deal. Cause, but I beat you in fantasy basketball. So. You did. One. You did. Yeah. I, I had a bad week there. Yeah. Um, but Eric still leads the actually Eric and Alex are both tied at five and one James, you're four and two uh, along with Tyler and I am three and three. So the, the TLDR boys are leading the pack Woo! right now as it should be. Um, so anyway, moving on, we talked about the Tahoe games There's a little bit of a interesting, you know, dilemma there with the, the sun started melting the ice in their morning games or in their afternoon or their early afternoon games. So they had to kind of switch around the times a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, um, they were, they were still very, very fun to watch in my opinion. Um, it's just always cool to see hockey played outside. That's where it kind of originated. Uh, and, and it definitely had a, a, a mystery Alaska vibe. Did anybody else get, did you guys catch the games at all? I got to I see saw the first bit. period and then, yeah, I realized it was it stopped until midnight or something like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it started back at nine our time. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, if anybody has a chance to see it on TV, if there's a replay, it's it's just really cool to see. Even just the highlights, it's just really cool to see um, an outdoor game, especially with that backdrop um, in that first period or in the second game. Uh, the, the the late evening had a nice uh, nice sunset. It looked really really cool. Um, but moving on to the the nitty gritty this week. Um, Sidney Crosby was honored uh, by both the Penguins and the NHL this week for his 1,000th game played, which is a huge accomplishment in the NHL. Anytime that a, that a, that a player gets to 1,000 games, it's a huge deal. Um, and an even bigger deal is this, you know, Sidney Crosby became the first Penguin in franchise history to play his 1,000th game in Pittsburgh. Like, the, no, no player has ever done that. Um, some a lot of players play their thousandth game over the course of you know a couple teams. Sydney's been there the whole time, so that's a huge accomplishment in in milestone in and of itself. Um, Alice, I told you to kind of look up uh, you know look up Sydney's you know impact on the on the NHL. I mean, I, I, I we could go into a stats and I'll 
going a bit, but really we kind of look at Sidney Crosby as an ambassador for this. And, you know, in your mind, why, what makes him such a great ambassador for the sport of hockey? Yeah. I mean, okay. The fact that he's the first penguin to do it is kind of astounding. Like with how much history that franchise has, like it's kind of nuts. Um, But yeah, you know, Sidney Crosby, he came up as, you know, one of the most touted prospects of his age range, any other than the injuries, he's lived up to it. Um, and he's a huge face for the, he's probably the, been the face of hockey in the last decade, Wait. I'd say, um, you know, maybe like him and Ovi. And, you know, I was texting, I was texting with my buddy who's a big Penguins fan and I was talking to him about Sid and he put, he put it in a really good point is like the Sid Ovechkin rivalry kind of kept hockey alive. They had some strife. They had, you know, all this, turmoil within the league but it reminded him and now that he made that comparison of the magic bird rivalry in the 80s in the nba you know when the nba was struggling and kind of sid and Ovi, these epic battles they've had um you know both future first ballot hall of famers um and you know and sid's done so much for both you know in pittsburgh in canada i mean he's had you know for the olympics he had you know one of the biggest olympic gold medal goals of all time um you know heartbreaking for us Americans, but yeah, for the Canadians, you got to can't deny it was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, Sid's, Sid's been a huge part of the game, a thousand games congrats to him. And it feels like he's still got a long way to go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally, totally with you there. I mean, Sidney Crosby is just, like you said, the face of the league. Um, the guy has what three cups, uh, two gold medals, I believe. And then one absolutely, you know, that last gold medal of his was just, I guess that would have been his first gold medal and was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, look, he has 468 uh, goals, 810 assists for, you know, 1,278 points, you know, over, over a thousand games. That's pretty, it's, it's truly astonishing. But what I think really kind of sets him apart over really a lot of players in the NHL is his availability to everybody from media to fans to to pretty much everything i mean th- this guy will this guy will wait after away games to to talk to media on at every single game and you don't see that with with all these players you know he even he even gets asked that you know and told you know sid you don't have to do this every game and he says well i'm in the position that i am because and and that's part of the, that's just all part of it like if you're if you're the face of the franchise you're you're in front of a camera you're you're talking with fans engagement engaging with fans um, engaging with media and that's what really is you know makes him such a big part of of the of hockey as a whole and at one point when he came in he was a bit Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh I mean that says something um, especially because Pittsburgh wasn't doing very well then and neither was neither was the Penguins and then he came in and just completely turned the franchise around so He's, he's definitely, you know, one of the greatest ambassadors to ever play the game um, next to Wayne Gretzky himself. And honestly, before I get into talking about Connor McDavid again, Connor McDavid, please learn from Sidney Crosby's just way he, he engages with, with the media. I think that that's something that, that Connor has a little bit of um, work to do, if I, if I may so say so myself. But yeah, bang on Alex. He's just a, he's just a great um, ambassador and congratulations on a thousand games. Moving on to Connor McDavid. I know that I talked to him, talked about him a couple weeks ago, and I know that I'm a that I seem like a big homer for the for the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid in general. But Connor McDavid just tied Sidney Crosby 
uh, as the eighth fastest to reach 500 points, reaching it in 369 games. Oh, and by the way, the seven players that are that are in front of those guys, I mean, they're back in an era when when you would shoot on a goaltender and, and you know, eight times out of ten, it's going in. There's there was no goaltending, no defense. So these two are really the ones that do it and have done it in this era where goal scoring comes at a premium, um, points come at a premium. And so that is just an amazing feat. Um, he's having such an incredible offseason. I don't I, I you know, Saturday's game. I don't know if anybody saw that. You need to watch some highlights. The, the, the unbelievable game. Um, one of the best games I've ever seen him play in a long time. But he, while he is having an incredible off, uh, offensive season, his defensive game is has changed, and it definitely shows in a positive light. And it's something that I haven't even seen before, and a lot of Oilers fans and overall NHL fans haven't seen before. So, James, you know, in light of that, you know, we could, we look at the offensive numbers, but I also, but I, you know, his defensive numbers are actually completely changing do you think that Connor McDavid's evolving into a you know a holistic two-way player or is this something that you know is just a one-time deal oh, I, I definitely think it's evolving and you see with every single great player there is ever right uh, if you look at Mike Trout Mike Trout came into the league and was a great offensive player and he he's the first person to tell you that his reading off the bat with the baseball wasn't that great so he spent like four or five off seasons doing that and all of a sudden he's one of the best outfielders defensively to play the game as well same with Kobe I mean he had great offensive numbers coming in but he relied too much on his athleticism and it's like he started working on his footwork because that's what sucked and then all of a sudden he was that much better when great players are great at one thing and they're just obviously the best player in that position for that one thing they're going to look to something else and work on that because that's that's what makes them great is their ability to constantly change their game to improve their game to be better than they were before Good, better, best, no rest until it is better and your better is your best. And that's exactly what he lives Whoa. by. Um, <laughs> that was a quote by Tim Duncan, by the way. Um, Connor McDavid will continue to evolve and he's going to continue to get better and better each and every year. He's going to find something and it may not show on the ice right away. It could just be this minuscule thing that maybe the way he holds, he flicks his wrist. It's, gonna, it's not going to show right away, but then it just continues to add to his game to make him that much better. We haven't seen Connor McDavid regress at all. The only times his numbers have gone down is when he's been injured. And that's really not his fault. For the most part, when he's healthy, Connor McDavid gets better and better each and every year. So I think that this is just another step to his greatness. Connor McDavid's going to be the best to ever do it. Yeah. Um, it, you, you said it, you said it perfectly. Um, I, I'm looking, I look at stats and his Corsi stats are uh, the best that, that we've ever seen. So defensively, he's obviously, helping his team on that side. Um, he makes, he makes a plus 2.37. Um, he's a 0.37 in grade eight chances four per 15 minutes. He's never been close to that. He's always been on the, on the bad end of the, of the, um, you know, he's always made good contributions for, but he's always been on the, on the, the, the bad side of the, uh, of the major mistakes against, and he's not this year. He's on the right side of, of his man in the defensive zone. And it's something that I know he's not cheating. I've ever seen him and is getting even more points than he was even, even prior to that. So um, he is learning. Um, oh, and his face-offs have improved huge. He's, he's always had a problem with that. And, and that's, that alone is a huge, is a huge stat that as a centerman, you need to keep track of. So I agree with you, James, he's, he is evolving. He's going to continue to evolve. And if he, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but if he if he can continue this defensive 
game and he begin he becomes something that at least a little bit of from Andre, like an Andre Kopitar, we could see this guy win a Selkie and and win the heart and win the and win the Ted Lynn. I mean, it's 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 crazy. This guy could just walk away with all the hardware. Um, but really all he really cares about is winning a Stanley Cup and it's obviously showing. Um, so moving on to the West, the Honda West, your guys as LA Kings have won five in a row now and have gone five, four and one in their last 10 and sit the five actually dated uh, last time I checked it was a five, three, one point percentage is probably closer to six now. Um, look, Tyler, they are the, the, the Kings are, are turning things around. I mean, I, they had a rough start. Um, admittedly, the first 12 games were a little bit, a little bit shaky, but they have really turned things around. Um, you know, is, do you think this is sustainable? And do you think this is going to be a surprise team of the Honda West? It could be. Um, they're look, they're playing really, really well right now. Um, before they start went on this five game winning streak, they're on a four game losing streak. So I think we're seeing this team definitely streaky. Um, but right now they're riding the ups. And by the way, they're at a, they're a five, five, nine win percentage there you uh, go. updated after today. They also have the second most goals scored in the division, which I don't know if that's ever happened in Kings history. Um, and, they, and they got a little closer tonight because the team that's in first in that division are the St. Louis Blues and they shut them out tonight. Um, so for me, I think this streak kind of started actually in their February 9th overtime loss to the Sharks. Um, they had, you know, lost four in a row going into that game, did not look good. But that game, they were down by two goals early. They came back, took the lead 3-2. They, they ended up giving a, a giving up a goal late in the, in, in the third and ended up losing in overtime. But I think something clicked in that game. I think they they found a way to grind back and and you know bounce back from a rough start. Um, and I think we've seen that uh, uh, accumulate since then. They beat the Sharks the uh, two nights later, six to two, and they've gone on this uh, five game winning streak since. Um, and they've looked really good. Um, I think I think these next you know few weeks they're going to play the Blues five more times this season. Um, and they're going to play the uh, Knights and the Abs two more times as, as well. Um, so winning those games are, are, are going to be huge. Um, those teams in front, in, in, in front of them. Um, I think the road to the fourth spot is not that much of a stretch considering how close it is and how really no other team has really kind of taken over as that dominant fourth team. Um, so I, it's, I think it's more possible. It's, it's crazy how quickly standings can change in the, in the, in, in hockey. Um, and it was like, Last week we were talking about the West and I didn't even mention the Kings as being a fourth team. And here we are a, a, a week later and shit, man, it could happen. Um, I mean, their, their, their stars are, are shining. Kopi, uh, Dowdy and Brown are their are, are top three in points. Um, and their young stars are starting to shine. I mean, uh, Kempe has 10 points. Velarde is heating up. He's got, I think, points in his last four games. Uh, Matt Roy has got a plus four. Uh, Cal Peterson's looking pretty, pretty good. He's got a, a two nine six save percentage and a two four three goals against. I mean, this team's got a good mix of veterans and a good mix of young guys that are starting to finally show their potential. I don't know, man. This I, it 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 is you know a really small sample size, and we'll we'll have to see if they can sustain it. But I mean, I'm right in the high right now. So if they can keep playing like they have been, and they've looked very good these these last few games, they they they've looked like a playoff contending team and with the seat and with the season that is short man and and with like i said with with that division 
with no team really taking over that the four spot, go Kings go. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I agree. Um, whenever you beat one of the top three teams in your division, and like you said, we we know who the top three are going to be. It's that fourth spot that it's really fighting for. And when you beat them three to zero, that says a lot. Um, and you play them again five more times. And who knows? I mean, if you go on a huge run, you might be the third team in, in the division at this rate. What's crazy is Kopitar is playing fantastic. Um, Dustin Brown's resurging, which is yeah. great to see. Seems like there's a little bit of a goaltender um, battle now, which is pretty good to see as well. It's always good when you have goaltenders start to, you know, rise each other up and and, and compete because you're getting you you gain the fruits of those of that of that labor there. But like you said, and like like you said, it's crazy how the the standings change in hockey. Well, it's even more magnified because every game's a four-point night if you guys follow my my power rankings i say that multiple times every game is so important because every i mean every that what you guys just uh, accomplished today is another four-point night and you're going to play arizona for another four-point night and then you put you know that, that those rack up and and who knows we're gonna we might see them in my top 16 and they were this close to being in my top 16 this last week and hell if Next they week. go if they gain if they gain at least you know one more or two more wins this week there you'll see them in there for sure um so i i i love to see that um so congratulations to the kings on that one keep it up um and last but not least um the nhl is seeing a league average of 0.906 save percentage that's the worst we have seen since the nine five figure in the 2006 2007 season also ot games are up 26 percent of games are going to extra time this year i mean this is kind of crazy oh sorry james you had a question on the last uh on the last one yeah um so just for tyler real fast they went on a four game losing streak and went on a five game win streak what changed like what's a tangible difference that clicked with them yeah, it's it's hard to say as, as from a fan's perspective, but like I said, I there's something that happened. I was I was watching that game where they had that overtime loss to the Sharks, and they were down to nothing, and it kind of felt like, oh, here we go again. They're gonna you know lose this game, and I don't know. I don't I don't know if it was something that the coach said it, dur- during the uh, intermission or something that said, hey guys, like we need we need to step it up or we need to come together and and, and find a way to win. And they came back and they grinded that game out, and they 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 ended up losing in, in overtime, but they came back and, and fought back, and. So I, I don't know. They, they have this identity ever since that game that I've noticed they're grinders and they just grind out these wins and they've been playing. I don't, it's, it's this mentality of just grinding these games out. And I don't know, like, I don't know exactly what it was that happened, but something clicked in that game that, that I've noticed at, um, as a fan, like they, they just look like a, a totally different Kings team to me. They're yeah. actually making passes and like yeah. receiving passes. I They're feel like they hadn't been better doing that all season. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, guys and James, you'll see that what happens in a season, it could, ha- it could come down to a save. It could come down to a goal. It could come down to a hit in the middle of a game that, that just wakes a team up and then they carry that momentum onto the next game. So maybe that's what we've seen. Unfortunately, I didn't, I haven't, I didn't see that transition. Um, but you kind of feel it. And I'm, and James, you maybe have felt it as early with the ducks, you know, if, you know, this first period earlier at the first period, I thought, Oh my gosh, just bringing in, um, you know, bringing in some new blood and give them some lay or give them some reps. That gives you a little bit of a jump. So maybe that's, maybe that's all they they need. I got a quick question. 
Yeah. Why did the Ducks wave Adam Henrique off the top of your head? Bro, they he was not producing. Here his plus minus is at negative eight. Um he has one goal in the season. And for somebody yeah. who they just signed to a five-year deal, like it was it wasn't worth it. It was the, kind of like the James Neal thing with, with the Edmonton. They just weren't producing. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, I mean, labor, so he's still on the team, but like yeah, he's on the taxi squad and he'll be brought up when so he's a scratch, basically. Yeah. So yeah, if Trevor Zegers gets sent back, Henrik will come back. I mean, they, they kind oh, of okay. they kind of okay. created a I thought they just completely got rid of him. Um, and no one picked him up on waivers. I mean, it, it would have been a completely different. That's a massive contract. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, the only reason that you pick a player like that, even with that much, you know, if, if you have the cap space and if you're a contender. Um, and at this rate, it's a little early to be doing those kind of moves. So um, to your point, Eric, that's going to happen a lot this season. You saw that with Corey Perry. We saw that with so many, you know, insert name here. Um, and then they're, they're already back. I mean, Corey Perry is already playing with the Canadians still, so. Yeah, um, you know it, 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 it's such an interesting season, um, and that taxi squad—it's just that those high-profile or those high-profile, um, you know, high-paid players have to go through the waivers, which is like is crazy. But um, you know, moving as I said, moving on, the NHL is seeing an average of um, not uh, 0.9068 percentage worse since the 905 figure in the 07 season, and OT games are up. 26% of them are going to extra time. Eric, these stats are pretty crazy. I mean, I love overtime. I think it's great. Um, but to see the goal, specifically starting with the goaltending, to see goaltending struggle so much this season, what do you think? Why do you think that is? So you're saying 90% is bad and that yeah. a lot of goals being scored in the NHL is bad? Well, if no, you're a coach or if you're. <laughs> Or if you're on the receiving end, I suppose. <laughs> I know I know. we always talk uh, NHL goalies, or I do, and, you know, like the difference of a .90 versus a .94 is tremendous, you could say. Um, like you're saying, you know, a couple more saves can win you a game, can get you in the playoffs, can get you those extra points. Um, I don't know. I think it could be due with uh, – has to do with um, – there's a lot of back-to-backs this year, and you're playing the same team multiple times. Um, maybe teams are learning uh, these goalies easier, you know, like like the Kings are going to play Bennington five more times. You know, maybe they'll play them at least three out of those five, um, considering back to backs. But so there's more back to backs. You're playing uh, similar teams more. Um, and I think I don't know, this could be another reason that they didn't have. I wonder if they didn't have that many expectations on this season. You know, like the NBA started up before them. Um, and it seemed like everyone was like waiting, like, when is the NHL going to start? Um, they finally came to, it seemed like they came to a quick last minute decision. All right, we're going to go 56 games. You know, maybe a lot of these goalies came in unprepared compared to as they would in a regular season. Um, we got about four, there's like 40 games left about for most teams. Um, the ones that didn't get COVID yet. Uh, but you know, there's been some injuries too with multiple different goalies um, playing more. So we'll see. It's going to take some time, I think, for the you know a lot of the goalies to get a feel. But the teams that are doing well are the goalies like the, with the Kings where they're battling each other and, play, and both goalies are playing good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I see that. And I guess we could say that the OT games are kind of a result of that, just just goalies giving up goals at the in opportune times. I think another thing we need to realize and, and, and appreciate is the fact that 
the truncated season brought little to no, I mean, a very small in camp, but no preseason. And the thing about goaltending relative to the, the, you know, the skating side is goalies need to be practicing at, at full speed. They need to be playing full speed, moving side to side, taking those hard shots. You don't really get that in practice. I mean, you do, but you really don't Um, because, you know, not that you're not trying to score in practice. It's just not the same urgency. So um, I think it took a little bit of time for them to kind of figure that out. Also, I mean, it, you've seen it. The penalty kills are, are atrocious this year. I mean, the p- penalty killing is, is really bad. And that's really a, 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 a goalie stat. Um, I mean, Eric, do you think that a shortened pre- preseason has anything to do with it either? Definitely. Uh, I feel like that's, the, your training camp and all that in preseason is your time to like mold your, your special teams in hockey, just like it would be in football or any other sports. So, you know, that plays a role. It's, you know, I feel like we keep saying that, blaming that, but it's definitely a reason. Less games playing with each other, like learning how each other play on the penalty kill or power play. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting times. And, and I, I think it's just going to come down to, I mean, the worst team, the worst division in terms of goaltending and defense is the North division. <laughs> Interestingly, all the games seem to be like blowouts or, or high scoring affairs. So um, it's all those Oilers games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you, when a team puts out a, puts up a touchdown, that's a huge deal. Like <laughs> that's a lot of goals. Um, anyway, that's, that's really all I had this week. Um, Eric. Um, yeah. Check out my power. Yeah, uh, some great NHL insight. We got about 40 games left of the NHL season. Let's just chalk it up, guys. Uh, Kings will just make the playoffs. We'll take it from there um, as far as the NHL goes. But uh, we're going to take a little break, and uh, we'll come right. We'll talk the other league that's going right now, the NBA, uh, when we return. Listeners, fans, all the above, we are back uh, to our next segment. We're talking the next active sport right now, NBA. Never a dull moment in this league. Alex always comes in with the hot takes. What do we got this week? Yeah, the NBA is in full swing. Um, We're going to get into kind of a bunch of different topics this week. Uh, But first off, uh, I'm going to go over the basketball ones. Uh, I'm tied for first at 7-2, beat James this week pretty handedly, I'd say so myself. James is still going along strong, though, at 6-3. and three. Uh, And then, Tyler, you beat Traden. Yes. Uh, so you're now 4-5. and five. What a go. record. Getting Traden, there. Getting there. 3-6 and six down there. Uh, yeah. uh, Kylie has officially surpassed you in the rankings. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is Ouch. soaring right now. She's yeah, her, yeah, her team loving every minute of it, too. Yeah, her team is killing it. So i uh, got to give a shout-out to Kylie there. Um, but yeah, moving into the actual, you know, what's going on in the real, real basketball league, um, not our fake one. Um, I don't know how we haven't talked about this yet, uh, but just like every other major sport, um, the playoffs have changed this year for basketball. So typically what happens is the eight best teams record wise in each conference make the playoffs. One plays eight, two plays seven on and on and on this season, technically teams will playoffs. Teams one through six are going to be, it's kind of same old, same old. And then teams 
This is very confusing, so let me read it out. It's really dumb. Teams <laughs> seven and eight will play each other one game. Whichever one of those teams wins that game is then the seven seed going into the playoffs. Then teams nine and ten also play each other one game. Whoever wins that plays the loser of teams seven and eight. And then whoever wins that is then the eight seed. Did you follow that? I hate that. Early. Okay. It is. It's like college very, football playoffs. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But so if you're a seven. It should really be a best out of three. It really should be. So if you're a seven or an eight seed going into this little mini tournament, you just got to win one game and then you're in. You're the seven. You play whoever ends up being the two. If you're the nine or the ten, you got to win two games back to back. And you know what you get? You get the eight seed and you get to play the one seed. It's a mess. Um, Trade and I were talking about it earlier. I believe his direct quote, I have things to say about this. Trade, <laughs> I'm very interested to hear what your, what your thoughts are. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> I mean, or I guess the league in general. I mean, th- this is it's the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever seen. I mean, I get the fact trying to get more teams in. That's how you, that's how you make money. You market your players. I get it. But guys, come on. they're they're playing a 72 game season it's not i mean it's not even a truncated season it's not like everyone's going to be playing roughly the same amount of games if they have to come down to percentage of points you know much like the percentage of games they may have to do that like the nhl because some teams just might not get their games in but guys there's no reason to bring in a 10th and 9th seed that we saw this, I had an issue with it in the NHL. And the only reason, and the only reason I was okay with it is because it was a, you know, the, the season was cut short unexpectedly and not all the games, no one had, you know, close in terms of in terms played, but I just don't understand how a 10th, a 10th seed who, you know, right now in the East would be the, the heat who had a, who have a 433 point per percentage of games won. Like that doesn't make sense. Like, why should they even get any chance to 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 play in the playoffs? Oh, and by the way, if they lose, they're still gonna get. They're still gonna be part of the lottery. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the NBA does this lottery the same way. It's the same fucking bullshit we saw in the NHL. And it's and guess what? That's why the Rangers got got first pick. They they made it to the playoffs, lost, and they still got Alexi Lafreniere. It's absolute bullshit. It's so stupid. One through eight. Just keep it simple. I mean, if, if you're get if I mean, if you're told me that not every team's going to play their 72 games and it's going to be way, you know, and there's not even close to the amount of games or, 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 or the heat had a chance to maybe get the eighth seed if they had played all their, all their games. So you're going to give them, that's the only time that you'd give them the shot, but everyone's going to be playing roughly the same amount of games. It's absolutely horseshit. It's so, it's so stupid. <laughs> that's it. That's all I can say yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, it's definitely they're trying to get more teams involved. Um, you know, the more playoff playoff games that are on TV, more TV revenue, you know, a larger national audience when there's only, you know, three or four games going on in an evening. Uh, it is a little ridiculous. Um, you know, boys or other three, you guys all had reactions. Do you like any thoughts on this since we haven't really even talked about this yet? It's interesting seeing every league's kind of response to everything and I kind of agree with Trayton. I think it kind of gets kind of overthinking it. I think that they were playing pretty dang close to a regular season already. You know, why add this little, you know, little mini tournament at the end? Um, that, that's kind of a part of me. And part of me kind of thinks like, I mean, fuck it. It's COVID. We're already, it's already weird. Like, why not just make it weirder? You know, let's just roll with it and see what happens. Just this one year. Let's just fuck it. 
Okay, so you're not a fan of keeping this long term, though. No, definitely not. Okay, uh, James. I'm not opposed to the ten teams getting the playoffs. Like that's not where the issue lies for me. The issue lies for me is the fact that it's a one game series. Like people, teams have bad shooting nights, so it's really hard to base it off one game. Like the kind of the purpose of getting the two extra teams in there is to even the playing field a little bit for teams that don't necessarily go the distance or because they, they are, the season is shortened by 10 games. So who knows what could happen in those 10 games, but only giving one more extra game to play. doesn't make much sense to me. Make it a best out of three. That way, like if a team has a bad game, they have a redemption. One game is tough. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, I have a feeling a little bit later in this podcast, yeah. you'll have to say some other things too. Before, before we finish, I mean, what, what's the, what, what is the 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 want or the 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 necessary the necessity to do well in the regular season if you have a two and three chance of making the playoffs? You know, it's like the more teams you add in, the less of a big deal the playoffs are, right? I mean, the less teams that are in, the harder it is to get in there. The the better the teams are going to actually you're going to get better basketball. I think it's stupid. I, I think with like last year in the bubble, they kind of had something like this. Remember the Trailblazers? had to play the Grizzlies, the one-game series. Whoever would have won would have played the Lakers, which ended up being the Trailblazers. But I think the NBA, like, the past few years has had, like, teams like the Trailblazers, um, the Heat, you know. They're, like, they're good teams with superstars that are, like, on the brink of making playoffs. So I wonder if that could be a reason they chucked them in like that this year. Like, Jimmy Butler was in the finals last year. It was the first time we saw him in the finals, and he did phenomenal, you know. This year we may, you know, the Grizzlies slip into that last spot. We get to see John Morant in the playoffs for the first time ever. You know, maybe this was their reasoning. I don't know, but it's my take on it. I I honestly think the reason behind this is the fact that Adam Silver is banking on states reopening as yes. time goes on. Yes. And so having that one extra playoff game means people can go to games and see that one playoff game. And if it's 25% capacity, it's a 25% more people than wouldn't be able to see it beforehand. So I think that adds a little bit more incentive just because of that fact. That's fair. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. I really like Eric's point too because the NBA does market their stars better than the other three professional major sports leagues by a mile. Like it's not even close how much better the NBA does it compared to the other three, especially baseball. Um, so you know, yeah. You want to see Dame Lillard in the playoffs. You want to see him hit shots like that. That's what brings people into the NBA. So um, that actually got the hand that <laughs> I thought it was going to, but I liked all your takes. Um, but moving on, um, one of the NBA's big stars is going to be out for a minimum of four weeks. That's Anthony Davis of the Lakers. He's got an Achilles injury. Um, Tyler, as are or the other resident Lakers fan on this podcast, uh, is it time to worry in Los Angeles? A little bit, honestly, just because they're, they're start without Anthony Davis, these first four, four or so games they've had without him. Not gone so well. Uh, they don't look good at all without him. They look pretty lost. Um, they're, also many, they're also missing Dennis Schroeder right now due to health and safety protocols, so it's kind of a double whammy right now. Two of their starters are out. Um, you know, LeBron can only do so much. Um, you, you, you kind of asked me, like, anyone – what do the rest of the Lakers besides LeBron have to yeah. do? Um, you know, I, th I think it just goes back to this team's identity. Like what made them champions was their defense. You know, I think, I think there's been a lot, 
of things kind of gone out of whack with having AD out and they need to kind of reset their defensive system to, you know, fit in the players that they have and kind of figure that out first to starve the defense. And they're also kind of right now going through a shooting slump. They're not shooting very well from three, especially I think they were like, like 20% from three, the last two games or something really bad like that. Um, so they're missing their star player. They're missing their starting point guard and they're going through a slump right now uh, shooting. So a lot of things are going bad right now. Um, but I think the shooting will come back. Um, hopefully uh, Schroeder comes back in a week or so or whenever his uh, health and safety protocol timeline ends. And uh, hopefully this team kind of finds their identity with, without Anthony Davis. I think they will. I think this team's got a lot of depth. I mean, KCP, uh, Caruso, Gasol, uh, Harold, Kuzma. Also, can we, can we give a shout out to, to Kyle Kuzma, how good he's looked this year, especially uh, de de defensively? I think I saw that he's the fifth ranked de defensive player or has the fifth best de defensive rating in the, in the NBA. And if you guys have seen any Laker games lately, he is an exciting player to watch, especially on defense, man. He's getting after it. Um, so I want to give a big shout out to Kuzma. He has stepped up, but we need those other guys to, to step up as, as well, especially with AD being gone for a while. And the Lakers got a bunch of huge come up games coming up against Utah, Portland, Golden State, and Phoenix all in a row. They got those four games. Um, so right now, I'm not really confident we can win any of those. Um, but I think, like I said, this team's uh, it, it, they have a good coaching staff. They, they, they've got good depth. I think they're just going through a little bit of a slump on top of a few injuries. But they got to they, they gotta click it back pretty soon here because we're getting down to the you know kind of later part of the season. And like I said, a lot of huge games coming up. So the, the Lakers need to figure out pretty quick here. Yeah. Um, you know, without – I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. Without AD, the Lakers are, cannot win a championship. I think they can still compete. I still think they can be a very good team. I just think that West is, the West is too deep. I don't think they can get through the West without AD. He's a top five player in the game. Um, you know, luckily for the Lakers, their depth is insane. And luckily the injury happened now instead of, you know, two months from now. So he's got some time to heal. Um, hopefully he can get his conditioning back. Uh, and we'll, you know, Laker Nation will have to move forward from there. Um, but speaking of LeBron, he is starting in the All-Star game. Once again, uh, he was the leading vote getter in the West. Uh, Kevin Durant, leading vote getter in the East, which is you know pretty cool for him after coming back from all these injuries. Um, so all, all the the West, let's go through them real quick. So Luka Doncic and Steph Curry uh, will be in the backcourt. LeBron, Jokic, and Kawhi in the front court. On uh, the East, Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal in the backcourt. KD, Giannis, and Joel Embiid in the front court for the East. Uh, Eric, what do you think about the? Uh, all-star starters so far um, and then do you think anyone got got snubbed uh, what do you think yeah I mean going off of pretty much every time we talk the NBA the West is so deep um, you know because you see Damian Lillard is like is a you know not starting but it's because Luka Doncic and Steph Curry are starting you know and they both had phenomenal seasons like it doesn't take anything away from Lillard but you know, there's that's one thing. Uh, Paul George is a is a backup. I think uh, you know he kind of went down with an injury a couple weeks ago. Um, when after we had talked about, it, he was just rolling through this season, playing really well. You know that could 
probably play a role in, in what happened with that, but he's still in it nonetheless. Um, snub wise, uh, I mean, Tobias Harris, I think he is like the cornerstone of that 76ers team. Um, he's probably like the hardest worker there. He's brings, brings his energy every day and night. Um, but, you know, I guess as far as an all-star is concerned, that's, that's maybe just one category that they look at. Um, Zach Levine is nowhere to be found on an all-star roster this year. That guy's like the only noticeable player on the bulls probably for like the last three years. And he's like, you know, a, at least a 30 point score usually every night. Um, Devin Booker, nowhere to be found on an all-star roster this year. Uh, you look at the Suns uh, having like the best season they've had in many, many moons, you could say. Um, one other snub in the West, uh, Brandon Ingram, actually. He has had a good season with the Pelicans this year. Their team is just not good, but he's been doing well. He's been putting up good numbers uh, most nights that he's playing. Um I guess one other guy – actually, hold up. I got some snubs. Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> DeRozan uh, is not in the lineup. It's it's not that big of a snub that he's not there, but, you know, he has revamped that Spurs lineup. Uh, Harden is not starting, but that's because he kind of sat out in the beginning of the year and he had to, like, reprove himself. He's now in the Nets doing phenomenal, of course. Chris Paul is a wild card. Uh, he's older. He's probably got only a few seasons left in this league. I could see that. Donovan Mitchell is a backup, um, but, you know, it goes back to the Luka Doncic and Steph Curry. You know, they're the, more of the popular vote probably than uh, Donovan Mitchell, but that guy is phenomenal. Um, nonetheless, though, these guys are in the All-Stars. They're just not the starters. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Zach Levine take. That guy is carrying that Bulls team, and they're tech, they're in a playoff spot right now. Um, you know, I don't think Kyrie probably should have started. He missed a bunch of games due to COVID or some reasons, which, you know, we have no idea what that is. Um, but then he got in trouble for being seen out at, like, a big family gathering. Um, yeah, Zach Levine's been killing it. He's on my fantasy team, so that's kind of part of it, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we all agreed when we talked about it last time. This All-Star game is kind of dumb. They shouldn't really shouldn't be having it. But it's still fun to talk about. Um, you know, there's always going to be snubs. There's, you know, LeBron's going to make it every year because he's LeBron. That's kind of the deal. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the rest of it, uh, you know, kind of plays out. Uh, last topic, Boogie Cousins was uh, is mutually parting ways with the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets have decided they want to go smaller in the front court. Uh, James, you know, Boogie Cousins used to be a force in this league. Um, you know, since he's had a lot of leg injuries, he's a big man. Um, you know, what can he bring to a contender if he has anything left? And where do you, like, have a prediction on where he signs or what are your thoughts on Boogie? I absolutely think stuff left. I mean, right now, he's Christian Wood's been out for an extended period of time due to a fracture, I believe. Um, and Boogie Cousins filled in. And Boogie Cousins has been averaging a double-double in that time frame. He's still got it. He's still good. It may not be the 25 and 15 that we're used to, but it's gonna it's 16 and 10. And that's still good enough to help out any team. He can play for any contender, honestly. Uh, right now, though, my personal favorite would be the Lakers, mainly because they've shown that they need a big guy. AD, after he gets healthy again, will sit out multiple games due to rest anyway. 
Um, the Lakers are trying to preserve him for the long run. And B, Boogie can be in there. And him and Adia played together in New Orleans, and they did well together. That was like the MVP seasons of both AD and Boogie Cousins. They were both favorites to win the MVP that year because they were just so dominant together. And if they can create that partially with the Lakers this year, that'd be another force to be reckoned with. I love Mark to death. His IQ is super high. He can shoot the three and he can pass the ball, but he doesn't get rebounds. He doesn't really do all that much on the offensive side other than sit out there. Um, they need somebody that can score down there. They need a secondary help, and that's what Boogie can do. He was signed to the Lakers last year before he tore his ACL, I believe. Um, so the thought was there. He was part of that plan. They can do it again. Another team that I think he'd work well in is the Nets. Those are the two teams that's been uh, connected with. The Nets also need a big. DeAndre Jordan is not what's advertised. DeAndre Jordan used to be good because he was athletic and could block, but that's not really where the league's going anymore. Nobody's really running into the paint all that much, and when they do, he fouls them. The fact of the matter is he can't score. So you need to score, and DeMarcus Cousins is sitting there waiting to get picked up. He's going to go to contender. He's going to contribute. Whoever picks him will be lucky to have him. He's going to come with like a $3 million price tag, super light, and it's going to be great for him, for the team that gets yeah, the Lakers uh, would be an interesting pick. He already knows the system. It's the same coach. Um, you know, he was there all season last year. You know, he didn't play. Like you said, he was hurt. Um, and the Nets would be interesting, too. Um, you know, that would just be a star-studded lineup with Boogie Cousins. You know, I hope he uh, I hope he makes it. You know, he's kind of gotten a bad rap over the years. Um, but he's been a great player. And we'll see where he ends up. Uh, but, Eric, that's all I got for the NBA this week. Yeah, those are some good hot takes. All-Star break is right around the corner, everybody. Uh, we all know you'll be watching. Um, when we come back, Tyler is going to talk about the next sport that is about to start way quicker than I realized, uh, the MLB, when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. We are getting right into the MLB because guess what? It is six days away from beginning uh, our spring training. Tyler is is our main baseball guy, and of course, he wants to tell you all about it. So let's hear about it, Tyler. Hell yeah. Uh, position players report to uh, spring training camp this week. Um, so we're just gonna see the first full squad workouts happening here pretty soon. And then uh, in a couple more weeks, we'll have our first spring training game starting. Um, so we're, we're getting into it, boys. Uh, so we're, we previewed the American League East and Central. Now we're going to get in the last division, the American League, the American League West. And this one is, I think, probably the most intriguing division in the American League. Um, a lot of interesting storylines going on in this one. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start off with the reigning American League West champions, the Oakland Athletics. Uh, in 2020, they won the division with a 36 and 30 and 24 record. Uh, they ended up losing to the Astros in the ALDS. Uh, in the offseason, um, they traded for shortstop Elvis Andrews. Uh, they also lost uh, two, two of their big players, Marcus Simeon, and their closer, Liam Hendricks, to, to free agency. Um, Oakland A's don't really sign free agents that much. They're pretty uh, strapped payroll-wise. 
So they got to rely on their farm system and trades to kind of, you know, make their team. Uh, their projected rotation will look at uh, Chris Bassett, uh, Jesus Lazardo, Frankie Montez, Sean Manaya, and, and Mike Fires. Their projected lineup, catcher Sean Murphy, first baseman Matt Olson, second baseman Tony Kemp, shortstop Elvis Andrews, third baseman Matt Chapman, and the outfielders Ramon Loriano, Mark Kana, and Stephen Piscotti, and their DH is Mitch Moreland. Uh, the bad for this ace team, uh, the, those two, two free agents they lost are pretty big hits. Um, and bullpen-wise, like, I don't know if this team is as deep as they uh, used to be. Uh, they, they actually lost quite a bit of other bullpen arms to, to other teams as, as well. The good is they're starting pitching. They're young. They're talented. Um, if they can stay healthy, this is one of the best rotations in that league. Uh, and Matt Chapman is back. Uh, so so that will be huge for them, um, having their star third baseman back in that lineup. Um, so, James, I, I'm asking you about the, this A's team. Uh, we, we all like the A starting pitching. It, it's pretty solid one through five there. Um, but I want to talk about the offense a little bit. Um, they had a pretty shaky season last year, kind of underperformed a little bit. Um, I, do you think this offense bounces back and will have a good 2021? No. Uh, main reason why. <laughs> they, they didn't add to that at all. They, in fact, they lost. Is Elvis Andrews better than Marcus Simeon? No. Marcus Simeon is one of the better shortstops in this league offensively. He did have a down year last year. But on average, it's still a 254 hitter. Like he's a he's a good good player. Uh, one person you did not mention is Chris Davis, who's also gone uh, from that team as a DH. He had a tough last year with two home runs, but he was a power guy. He had 48 home runs two years ago, and he's average throughout this, his time in the big leagues. He's averaging 31 a year, not counting this last season because this last season was shorter. But the fact of the matter is, that's a lot of home runs that's going out the window. And you're adding Mitch Moreland from the Red Sox, I believe, correct? Yep. Yeah, and he doesn't really touch those numbers. He's a good player too, but the fact of the matter is they didn't add as much as they needed to to keep that lineup in games offensively. Um, so, yeah. Oh, also Tommy LaStella. Like, people don't mention him, uh, but they traded for him late in the season. He's now with the Giants. Uh, but he was decent. He, could, he had power. He could hit home runs. And he can get on base at a decent rate too. And so now you're losing a utility guy on the edge of that as well. Did they get better? No. Gotcha. Um, so even with Matt Chapman back in that lineup, you don't think this A's team will be better offensively? Matt Chapman was in that lineup for the majority of the year. He, he just kind of did, he got injured, what, towards the last three weeks of it? So the last three weeks isn't going to make up for the entire year. You got to look at the entire year's numbers. And even then, they, like they still struggled. They were the best team in the AL West, but they weren't, they got to replicate that same stuff again. And I don't think that's possible. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, I think, you know, this ACE team offensively is an interesting one. I think they can be better than they've done. Um, so we'll see what, so we'll, we'll see what happens um, this season. Um, with that being said, with, with that offense kind of in, in question, uh, do you see this team as a postseason team uh, this season? No, I don't. I think they finished third in the division. Uh, main reason why is because their bullpen did get worse. Hendricks, I was a huge fan of that guy. He's from Australia, really cool. Uh, but they lost him, and he was a big part of that. He was in almost all their games at the end. And, yeah, the star pitching is good, but they're young. And what happens with younger pitchers is that they often get in their heads. And so that 
bad string of games, they'll need to be saved by their bullpen, which is not as strong as it used to be. And with an offense that underperforms, I don't think it's a recipe for success this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the A's team does. I think this division is going to be really tight. Um, so moving on to the Houston Astros, uh, they finished second in 2021, or sorry, in 2020, um, with a 29 and 31 record. Uh, they lost to the ALC in, in the ALCS to the uh, Rays in seven games. Um, off season weren't very busy. They really just lost uh, George Springer to free agency. Other than that, they really didn't do a whole lot. Um, their projected rotation: Zach Greinke, uh, Lance McCullers, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Jose Your 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 Uh Their projected lineup will be catcher. Jason Castro, first baseman, Yuli Gurriel, second baseman, Jose Altuve, shortstop, Carlos Correa, third baseman, Alex Bregman, outfielders, Michael Brantley, Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, and their DH is Jordan Alvarez. Uh, the bad for this team, the p- pitching is a big question mark. Uh, they, you know, have lost Justin Verlander injury. They lost Garrett Cole, of course, a couple seasons ago. Uh, this isn't the same pitching team as, as, as they once were. Zach Granke's getting up there in age. Uh, Lance McCullers Jr., we'll see what we get out of him. Other than that, their depth is, is kind of lacking. Um, of course, the cheating scandal, I think, still looms a little bit with this team as well. They still got, I mean, you know, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, those guys are all, all, all in, in, involved with that. The good is they got Dusty Baker as their leader. I mean, I think he's one of the best managers of, 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 of all time. Um, and he really kind of, I think, helped this team, will this team to make it as far as they did in, in, the, in the postseason. Um, so he's a huge leader for that team. And the, and, and the young core is mostly still intact minus George Springer who left. So they're, they're, they're still got some offensive firepower on this team for sure. Um, so trade and I want to ask you a couple of questions about these at this Astros team. First being the sign and stealing scandal. We've talked a lot about it. Um, but I, I don't know if they're completely past it yet. So I want, I want to know, do you think that it's behind them? And in 2021, it's kind of a clean slate. We, we, we dealt with it last year. Or do you think they're still going to deal with some re- retaliation uh, in 2021? Yeah, I think they're going to deal. I mean, here's the thing. We actually had this conversation, you know, at the beginning of the short of the truncated season that what, are they going to get targeted? And actually, I think that they actually got targeted less than they probably would have in an otherwise full season. Now the full season's here. I mean, you get your, what is 160, 162 games. I mean, they're going to get, <laughs> they're going to get their lickings. Um, and guess what? I think the Houston Astros need to just mentally get over it. I mean, let the, let the, let the teams do their thing. They're going to hit you. They're going to hit you. You, you deserve it. Just, just, just take it, take your lickings and move on. Um, I I think that that's going to be the key for for them this year is to just block out that, that's that bad, you know, juju, I guess we'll say, Um, you know, Dusty Baker, like you said, had, I mean, I was act. We, I mean, I don't. I think I speak for everyone when saying they're pretty impressive that they made it as far as they did in the in the postseason. I mean, they they came in as a wild card, I believe, and they they beat the the A's. I mean, they and and I thought they were going to move on to the World Series again. I mean, there was a point where we all thought that um, at one point in the series. So I I think that they just need to battle the the mental side of it and just get over it um, and they themselves I think need are over it and can be over it whether the league is not or whether the other teams are not fuck them who cares like just deal just deal with what you can control and you can control your own destiny at this point 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that part of it. Um, fans are expected to be back in some capacity for 2021, so that's definitely going to have some impact. Mm-hmm. Also, there was one team that really didn't get, you know, their chance at retaliation in 2020. The Dodgers did, the A's did, but one other team that has a lot of beef with this t- with this team are the New York Yankees. Yes, um, they probably got as much uh, bad luck with that as the Dodgers and the A's did. Um, they didn't play them at all in 2020. They're going to be playing them a few times in 2021. They also will play the, the Dodgers again in 2020 as well. So we'll see if anything happens. Uh, so that, that'll be very interesting to follow. But those New York Yankees matchups, I, I, they, and, and, and the Yankees ain't afraid to get dirty. Like, let's be honest. If, 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 if there's a team that's going to play hardball, it's the New York Yankees. So Definitely. We will see what happens with that. Um, and do you think that this 2021 season – with this core, with those, they, they got a lot of free free, free, free agents after this season. Uh, is this their last chance to win a, a World Series title with this particular core in, in, in tech? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, when Ainge came in early, what, 2015, right? Window was huge. Window is very small now. I mean, this is it. I mean, let's, let's look at this. Um, a handful of players, and this is to, to your, to your uh, war stats, your WAR stats. Uh, a handful of players who had a positive war, war and made you know, positive contributions to the team are still on the team. The, the, re- the others have gone. The others have been either traded away or have been, or have been you know, left, left astray. That's position players. And only the pitchers are the same are in the same boat. On top of that, if you look at the um, baseball prospectus um, ranks the the program uh, minor leagues or uh, farm systems, they've went from eighth to twenty sixth over a year. That's not a good sign. Um, oh, it doesn't really help that you do so well. I mean, regardless of the of the of the scandal, I mean, you we can all agree that they were still a good team. When you're a good team, you you give up um, you give up. Uh, point uh, I'm sorry picks you you start to make moves that get you to that next level that get you to the to the you know depths of the postseason you're not really worried about the future as much this is what happens this is just part of the this is just part of it as you said there's a lot of free agents coming in here let's look at this um they uh, first of all they lost their 2020 and 2021 first round picks so your your future is is in the hands of your farm system we're looking pretty shitty right now your top prospect your top prospect um was a first round pick in 2016 and he's struggling the minors the other three the i'm sorry the other three first round picks are either traded away or still in the minors i mean <laughs> that's a, that's not a recipe for future success so you guys have a very small window you better take advantage of the very small window you have because it's it's gone it's 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 gone Trading, you're turning into a real good baseball guy there. That was a great, a great take. Uh, delving deep into this Astros very grim future. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are upset about that. So uh, we will see how they do in 2020. But but I agree with you. I think this is pretty much their last chance to really go for it. Um, so we'll see. So good. I guess good luck to the Astros in 2021. I guess I just don't <laughs> say it. Just to say it. All right, moving on to the third place finishers, which is a little bit surprising in the finish for 2020, uh, the, the Seattle Mariners. Uh, they finished with a 27 and 33 record. Um, they're off season, uh, not very busy. Uh, they did sign re- relief pitcher Ken Giles, who at once was one of the best uh, closers in baseball. He had t- Tommy John surgery, so he won't be playing 
2021, but he is a current member of the Mariners. Um, that's really all I did in the offseason. Uh, their projected rotation will be Marco Gonzalez, James Paxton, uh, Yessi Kikuchi, uh, Justice Sheffield, awesome fucking baseball name, uh, Chris Flexton, and Justin Dunn. Uh, their projected lineup, catcher, Tom Murphy, first baseman, Evan White, second baseman, Dylan Moore, shortstop, J.P. Crawford, third baseman, Kyle Seeger, outfielders, Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis, and Jared Klenick, and the DH is Ty France. Uh, the bad is this team, despite kind of a successful 2020, um, is, still in, is still in rebuild mode. Uh, Pitching-wise, they got a couple, you know, Marco Gonzalez, I think, is, pr- is pretty solid. He's going to give you um, a, a lot of good innings. Uh, James Paxton, you know, is pretty solid as well. But past that, uh, they don't really have a whole lot. Um, so they need a lot of pitching help. Uh, the good, uh, a lot of exciting young talent. They got the reigning rookie of the year, Kyle Lewis on their team. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, if he's healthy, is I think one of the most complete players in baseball. Um, they, they got some I- I- exciting talent on this team. Uh, so Eric, I want to ask you, uh, do you agree that this team – Kind of, a lot of people are projecting them to take a step back in 2021. Um, and do you think that next year, 2022, will be the first year that they're that, that they'll be serious contenders for a playoff spot? Uh, they will be taking a step back. According to Fangraphs, they have a 1.7 percent chance of making the playoffs this year. I mean, what the fuck? Um, they're going to be bad. Orioles but, up zero, dude. Huh? <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles zero percent of playoffs. Just so you know. Brutal. Well, apparently last year the Marlins, Miami Marlins, had zero point seven percent chance that they made it. They're like the one team to prove this fan graphs. You're saying there's a chance. wrong, huh? <laughs> so, so you're saying there's a chance. So I'm saying there's a one point seven percent chance <laughs> <laughs> this year. Uh, they're pitching so here last year their stats pitching for them uh second to last in the american league in home runs allowed uh 13th out of 15th in hits allowed 13th out of 15th in batting average and they just aren't that good so you <laughs> you, you see i mean you you just went over it. they didn't really pick up many guys in the offseason um their pitching was pretty bad last year. Maybe maybe it improves a little bit this year, but I don't see them uh, doing too well on the other side of the ball. Um, I think they're going to pull a, a classic Mariners of go on the five or six win streak, and people are like, oh, the Mariners are hot right now, and then everything just crumbles and they fall down the mountain from there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this. I think it's going to be a long season for the Mariners. Um, but I think, I think they're up and coming. Um, they're going to have to definitely prove their, especially on the pitching side. Um, prospect wise, they do have a pretty good pool. I think they're in the top 10 uh, farm system wise. So uh, we'll see But they're definitely going to have to also have some, you know, free agent signings and that kind of thing to make them really competitive. Um, but if you look at the way that this division is going, as we mentioned, the Astros, their window is very much closing. Um, you know, we could see this Mariners team, I think in the future, very soon kind of make a run with kind of how this division is kind of uh, shifting uh pretty soon here uh moving on to the los angeles angels the moment you've all been waiting for uh in 2020 they finished fourth at the 26 and 34 record offseason they're pretty busy uh, first of all they fired their general manager billy epler and hired perry minassian 
uh, and he got to work. Uh, he traded for outfielder Dexter Fowler, traded for starting pitcher Alex Cobb, signed starting pitcher Jose Quintana, signed veteran catcher and World Series champion Kurt Suzuki. Uh, they traded, he, and then they also traded for shortstop Jose Iglesias and traded for re- relief, pe- relief pitcher Reciel Iglesias. Um, so did a lot of a lot of work there. Their projected rotation, good old Angels pitching staff, uh, Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy, Jose Quintana, Griffin Canning, Shohei Otani, and Alex Cobb. Uh, their catch their uh, lineup will be catcher Max Stassi, first baseman Albert Pujols, second baseman David Fletcher, shortstop Jose Iglesias, third baseman Anthony Rendon, the outfielders Justin Upton, Dexter Fowler, and some guy named Mike Trout. Uh, and their DH will be Shohei Otani. Um, the bad, again, the pitching. We say it every year. Um, they just have a lot of question marks. I think they are a little bit better this year, but is Dylan Bundy for real? He had a great 2020. Um, can this guy sustain his um, success and roll it over to 2021? Uh, can Otani and Canning stay healthy? Um, will Quintana and Cobb, these two veteran you know, players, will they contribute? You know, uh, will they actually provide a lot of wins and starts for this team? Um, the other, the other, I think, looming uh, bad thing for this team is there's a lot of pressure to get Mike Trout in the playoffs before his prime is over and the window is and the clock is ticking. He's still very young, but this team still has a long way to go to be real contenders. Um, the good, at least you 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 have Mike Trout, uh, best player in baseball. Uh, MLB.com ranked him the number one player in baseball for the sixth year in a row. Um, offense will once again be great on paper. Um, and this division, I don't think I, there's, there's a window to win this division this, um, this year for, for the angels. I don't think it's a very strong to, to, division. So you have that going for you. Um, so we have three angels fans on the podcast, James Traden and Eric. So I'm going to ask you each a question about the angels. So, uh, James, I'm going to start off with you in your opinion. Um, a lot of predictions have the, the, this Angels team finishing second after a fourth place finish last year. In your opinion, why do you think that a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, pre- prediction systems are having the Angels finish so high? Uh, just heads up, I do have a lot to say about this. I love the Angels. It's literally the only baseball team I watch, the only team I've ever watched for baseball. So we have a lot to say. Um, you mentioned a lot of additions that the Angels brought in, and those are all great. But I think you forgot to mention the fact that they've developed really well as well. Uh, look at the emergence of Jared Walsh and David Fletcher. David Fletcher had the highest batting average for a long time in MLB. Like, he ended up with a 319. He actually finished 17th in AL MVP voting. Fun fact. For somebody that you 17th, that's crazy. Right down there, but it's on the list. Uh, also, Jared Walsh. I talked about it at the intro. Uh, he's going to supplant uh, Albert Pujols for first base. He came in out of nowhere and got hot. In the month of September, just the month of September alone, there's only three games out of 21 games that he didn't get a hit. That also included nine multi-hit games and nine home runs in just September. If we played a full season and he was able to build upon that in September and continue to work towards it, who knows what kind of numbers he would have gotten. Like He had the momentum and he was doing great. Um, additionally, they added Dexter Fowler, like you had mentioned before, he's better than Joe Adele at this moment and don't get it twisted. Joe Adele is a great prospect and he has potential to be a really good baseball player, but he needs one more year in the minors. He did not do well in the majors last year. 
And Dexter Fowler can get on base. He has a 223 batting average over his career. He's proven. He's done it. He's good. Um, and the additions that you mentioned before, how that's their biggest question mark. I think that the Angels aren't getting pitchers to strike you out. They're getting the type of pitchers that will eat up innings so that their bullpen can come in and finish the game. All the meantime, relying on their offense to get them a lot more, get them ahead and having their closers close the game. It's not about keeping their opponents to zero runs. It's about outscoring them. And they brought in pitches that eat up innings. Jose Quintana, you didn't see a lot of it last year because he had this freak injury with a wine glass, but he typically goes like seven, eight innings a game. Same thing with Alex Cobb. They eat up innings. They're not known for striking people out. They just take a lot of time. And that allows your closers to come in, finish the game, and your offense should do well. So in, in total, I believe that they have people have them finishing second because of all that, all they built together. It's not just a plug and play kind of thing. It's more the culture that they've developed with their team. And now that team has come together through tough times and now they want to win. I like it. I mean, I, I, I hope they do well. You know, I've, I've said there for a long time, you know, I, I, I want to see Mike Char in the playoffs. I, I, I want to see these two LA teams hopefully meet in, in a world series. I think that'd be, that'd be freaking awesome. Um, trade in. I talk about it every year, how this angels, they just can't find good pitching. Um, they have, a, I would say, a decent starting staff. Do you think they have enough pitching to be a postseason contender in 2021? Postseason contender? Probably not. Yeah. Um, sorry, boys. Um, just there's too many question marks. I, I, can't, I can't say for sure that we're going to see – that we're going to have it. Um, I, I don't know how I, how I follow up James. That was, a, that was incredible. Like I, I'm not even going to come close to that. But um, look, the Angels starters had a 5.52 ERA, which was ranked second to last in the majors. That is not very good, clearly. Um, Otani was hurt, um, and he hasn't played very much over his over his time, you know, he, on the Angels. But obviously, he's he's going to be a big X factor. I think that if he is actually healthy, like they say he is, he underwent this you know crazy workout routine, and, and he's back and he's back with no restrictions. Um, we may see, we may see some improvement there. Um, you know, like you said, is Dylan Bundy for real? I mean, he had a 3.29 ERA, the best, he was the best of the, of, of that rotation, but who knows what you're going to get if you, if you, if you, if he's going to continue that, um, you know, canning ha- did, did step forward, but he needs to keep, you know, keep stepping forward. Um, I will say that, you know, Cobb and Quint- Quintana, as you mentioned, ha- I think they w- have played under Madden in the past and they did pretty damn good. Um, so maybe maybe they get a little bit of a resurgence being back with an, with an old manager. I think it's kind of a wait and see. I mean, because, you know, the manager, the, the general manager and fans and non-fans alike like yourself have been I, you know, there's an issue with your, with the rotation. There's an issue with the rotation. You know, we say it every freaking year. How can I say that they're going to have the, 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 the pitching to, to be a postseason contender. I don't even know if they're going to make the damn playoffs. I don't know what I'm going to get. So um, to James's point, I think, I think he's got a point though. I mean, maybe they, maybe the, the pitching is just good enough to get their offense, you know, on the field and, and, and making them win games. But as we've seen in terms of contention, you need both. You need you need to be able to pitch and you need to be able to play uh, to play offense. Um, so I, I I don't know how we can, how I can say they can be contender when I don't even know if they can make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of things have to go right with this current pitching staff as assembled for them to be, I would say, a contending pitching staff. Um, but they're need more help, and they can get help. You know, like I said, if 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 the Angels get off to a hot start, they can always make a trade. You know, for for a guy, you know, that can help them, you know, reach that that level. Um, so we'll see what happens. But like I said, and, and and as you mentioned, just a lot of question marks there. They're still not there on the on, on the pitching side for me. Eric, you got Shohei Otani uh, um, as your background. I know you're a big Shohei fan. Uh, he has. You know, from this from spring training from day one, Joe Madden said Shohei Otani is full go pitching and hitting, um, which is really exciting for 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 baseball. And hopefully, we can see that. Um, hopefully, he can stay healthy enough um, to be able to play a full 2021 season. Um, so, I want to ask you, what is more likely that we're going to see? Are we? Gonna, is it more likely that Shohei will hit 20 home runs, or that he will make 20 starts as a pitcher? Well, as you can see right here, he's swinging a bat. Um, but also, I think I just think he's a better hitter than he is a pitcher. Last year, um, he did, you know, way better hitting than pitching, of course. Uh, I remember you guys, you know, let us know about that, as you would as a Dodgers fan. Um, but I think he's more likely to have 20 home runs. Uh, I don't think they should let him pitch anymore. I think he needs to be a designated hitter for them. Um, usually, like, the, the things he does well for them is to get base hits and home runs. Uh, and think about it for him pitching. It's gone bad two out of two times. So 100% bad when he's pitching. Uh, led to elbow injuries both times. Um, keep him as a hitter. Keep him productive. He's going to get more home runs. Don't let him pitch. Uh, I, I bet you James will tell you 10 more things he doesn't like about Joe Madden. That's probably one thing I'll say with Joe Madden is just keep Otani as a hitter. You're better off um, with that. You know, develop your pitchers. Develop Otani to be in one position and designate him for that one position. Don't let him think he's both. I don't think James likes that take. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting I don't. take. Go for it, James. <laughs> <laughs> so okay last season he had two starts and they were both terrible but i believe that was a function of a non-training camp a reduced spring training he was coming off of tommy john like you can't expect him to go in there and do well coming off of tommy john without having any sort of regular off-season program that in of itself that didn't that did him a dis disservice he should have been brought in there, start, let's start as, as like a middle reliever. Give him an inning or two every couple of games. Work his way up. Don't put him in there to start and have all these expectations for him to do well when he hasn't pitched in a year. Coming off of Tommy John with a brand new – like his body got bigger. His first season versus his third, his body, it's a lot more control. There's a lot more nuance to throwing than you might think. The Angels messed him up by doing that. I still – if he shows flashes of what he did his first season, he was throwing like an ace his first season. He was striking out people like crazy. He didn't play in as many games because he was still in his first season. But the fact of the matter is, if he can come anywhere close to that, he'll be a damn good pitcher. The Angels will be gladly have him in that sixth spot in the rotation. Or the fifth spot. I don't know. Is it five or six? What are the last spot is? Yeah, um, usually. He can beat Alex. Yeah. Like, I think he should stay. Give him another chance. You can't base it off of one season – 
where he was coming off Tommy John and didn't have a full offseason? I'd say, like, just keep him in the bullpen during the game, warming up the whole time. Just keep him warm and just just have him keep hitting, though. But, you know, they have great dynamic warm-ups, right, Tyler? And <laughs> you see him warm it up for, like, 15 minutes. They should. Just keep him warm. Yeah. Let him – yeah. Just, just let him hit. Just put him in if you run out of pitchers, like that happened some random game last year, I think. When you run out of pitchers, put him in. Can I ask a question for a – for a dumb fan who doesn't know anything, um, if he starts, if he starts <laughs> pitching, can he still be a DH in the same game? Yes. Cool. That's what the uh, does. We might have they, found a solution. They they, they just won't have <laughs> the NL does. But usually, I th- I believe that when show I mean I could be wrong about this. Maybe Alex, I don't know if you know, but I I believe that the days that Shohei started, he didn't hit. Yeah, like, they how they did, they did it was he would yeah. start. He starts on Sundays. He would not play as a DH at all Monday and sometimes Tuesday. And then he'd hit Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then wouldn't play Saturday. So like you, even if he does back to like, does do both, you still only get him max five days out of the week, uh, which is kind of a downfall when he's, you know, you're probably your third best player. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting experiment. We haven't really had a true two way player like this in a very, very long time. It is, it's very hard to do. What, what, what Shohei is attempting to do is very difficult. Um, but I, I agree with James. Like, I think they need to give him one, one, one more shot at it. I think this 2021 season, he'll be in good shape. Hopefully it goes well. You know, I, I do agree with Eric. I think 20 home runs is probably more likely. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd probably put it on the, the, the home run side, not the, not the pitching side, because he just hasn't really proven that he's durable pitch pitching, but he could, he, he could, uh, break that break those barriers in 2021 and i hope he does um i think that's it's, it's a super exciting possibility to see a guy be a top you know pitcher and a top hitter on the same team i think that's awesome um so so hopefully shohei uh he he bounces back and has a good year all right moving on to the texas rangers uh finished with the worst record in the american league last year 22 and 38 in the offseason didn't do a whole lot uh they traded for after chris davis and they signed outfielder David Dahl. Uh, their projected rotation is Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, Dane Dunning, Eric Velasquez, and Kyle Cody. Uh, projected lineup catcher Jose Trevino, first baseman Nate Lowe, second baseman Nick Solak, shortstop Isaiah Kiner Falafa, third baseman Rugnet Odor, outfielders Joey Gallo, Willie Calhoun, and David Dahl. And the DH is Chris, Chris Davis. Uh, the bad, lots. It's it's full on rebuild times. Uh, there's really it's 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 a rough time in down there in uh, Texas, uh, in a lot of ways right now. Uh, yeah. The the uh, the good, you got a nice new ballpark at least, so that's good. <laughs> uh, Alex, uh, surprise question for you that I didn't pre prepare you for. Okay. One of the names in the rotation is not a real pitcher for the Texas Rangers. Which one was it? Oh, damn. Yeah. The ones you just said? Yeah, do you want me to? Uh, yeah, yeah, same again. I Kyle recognize Gibson, at least three of them. Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, Dane Dunning, Eric, Eric Velasquez, and Kyle Cody. It's one of the last two. I'm going to go with Eric Velasquez. Damn it. You're right. <laughs> Boy! Eric Velasquez uh, is the minor league coordinator for the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> so mm. I just wanted to throw that in there. Just got <laughs> okay. it. So good what? job. You, you uh, passed the test. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my actual question to you, 
and it's going to be simple. Yeah. Does this team finish with the worst record in the American League for a second consecutive season? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, just to be upfront. I mean, when you look at the other like teams that were poor last year, um, you know, the Tigers, the Royals, the Orioles, the Red Sox, um, you expect these teams to be better. The Angels, you know, they're going to be better. Um, you know, I talked about the Royals last week. I think the Royals are going to be better. The Tigers are a young up and coming team. The Orioles almost squeaked into a playoff spot last year. Uh, they've got, it's a long time before this Rangers team is going to be any good. Um, but yeah, they're, they're probably going to finish. Last. Yeah. It's, it's rough. There's it, not it's, much else to say. Yeah, there really isn't. Um, so I wanted to move on from Texas Rangers because it's kind of a boring team to talk about. So Alex, I wanted to finish up with the American league West here and just, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this the, the division as a whole. I think it's going to be kind of between three teams. I, I, I but I, but I want to know your opinion of it. Yeah. I think, this, I think there's going to be a competitive division within itself. I think the other two American League divisions are much better, and they are going to end up beating up on the American League West when they you know, play these teams. Um, it definitely feels like it's kind of, I would say, three-headed monster, but I don't really think any of these teams are monsters. I don't really think any of them are actual World Series contenders. Um, you know, the Angels have a lot to prove. Um, while we're doing that whole Shohei thing, I've figured out what they should do with him. They should have him be an opener. Not why save his arm. It's kind of like James's idea. Use him for one inning. Get a, you know, the Tampa Bay race, and they've been successful at it. Joe Madden used to manage the Tampa Bay race. It's all coming together. Uh, and then if they want, it's only an inning and he can still DH later in the game. If you really want him to. Question. Yes. Uh, Openers aren't limited to just one inning. Like if they just yeah. rock that first inning, they can do two to three. Correct. Yeah. This is the opener thing is just a fake made up thing. The Rays started doing. There's no like actual baseball rule against it. If you want, like you see it in spring training, you can have a different pitcher go every single inning. If you want, there's no other than the three, other than the three batter minimum rule. Now that's the only thing they have to face at minimum three batters. Right. That's it. So, yeah. I mean, he could face the first three, strike him out on nine pitches, or – and An immaculate know, inning, really? It could happen. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, or he could face the three first three batters, walk two of them, and give a three-run bomb, which seems more likely. Oh, <laughs> definitely did before. Yeah. So, I think, you know, if anything that – so, going kind of going back to the AOS in general, there's a lot of interesting players. There's a lot of interesting storylines. Um, and you know, I just think the other AL West or the AL divisions are better overall than this West. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, so I will sum it up going around the horn and I want to see everyone's final standings for the, for the AL West. Um, I've got three team, the top three teams separated by two games. I think it's going to be really close. They're all going to beat up on each other. And as Alex mentioned, the other, other teams and other leagues are going to beat up on them. Uh, so I actually have the Oakland A's winning this one with 90 wins. Uh, the Houston Astros will finish second with 89 wins, and the Angels will finish third with 88. Um, but I, I, it can be any of those three. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting division to watch. And then the Mariners will finish fourth, and the Rangers will finish uh, fifth. Uh, so, Trayden, let's start with you. What, what's your final division standings? Uh, Astros, Angels, A's, Mariners, Rangers. James what Shaden said copy paste eric 
uh, copy paste that as well. Damn it. Alex, <laughs> got anything different? Yeah, I am. I'm going to go different. I'm going, uh, the Astros are going to win the division. I think those offensive players back bounce from a shitty year. Uh, so Astros, A's, Angels, Mariners, Rangers. Gotcha. All right. Um, and real quick to wrap it all up, the, the American League up in a nice little bow here. Uh, we're going to go around the horn one more time and we're going to do the final playoff picture. So we're, we're going to go our, our three division winners and plus two wild cards. So which uh, six teams are going to represent the American League? Sorry, five teams are going to represent the American League in the, in, in, in the postseason. Uh, so I'll start off. So to kind of recap my uh, d- 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 division winners in the East, in the East, I got the Yankees in the central, I got the twins and the West, I got the Oakland A's and my, my first wall card spot will be the Chicago white Sox. And my second wall card spot will be the, the Toronto blue Jays. Uh, so I'll go same order trade in. What do you got? Uh, East Yankees, central twins, West Astros, wild card one Rays, and wild card two Indians. James. Astros, Twins, Blue Jays, Angels, and Yankees. Eric. East, Yankees, Central, Twins, West, Astros, Wild Card 1, Angels, Wild Card 2, Blue Jays. Wow, no White Sox. Nah. Yeah, you uh, missed the (laughs) Central, Central, so I get it. Uh, (laughs) Alex, what do you got? Uh, East, Yankees, Central, White Sox, uh, West, Angels, Wild card one is the Twins. Wild card two, the Blue Jays. There you have it, folks. That is the American League. Uh, we'll be getting in the National League next week. Thanks, everyone, for uh, chipping in your thoughts there. That was a good segment, especially with the Angels. Uh, Eric, that's all I got. Yeah, America. Fuck yeah, everybody. Um, <laughs> baseball is coming back in six days. We can't wait. Uh we love when sports return. I feel like every time a sport ends, like a sport has been coming back pretty fast with all this COVID virus nonsense. Uh, we got one segment left of the night when we return. Last but not least, James. We'll be talking about the ultimate defensive NFL team. We're going to build that team for you guys and let you know who you should have on it. Last but not least, everybody got our football game, James. Uh, feels like football's been done for a while. I think it's only been like two weeks. But, um, you know, we always got to talk football on here. Uh, we always talk defense wins championships. We built the ultimate offensive NFL team a couple weeks ago, and now James is going to have us build the ultimate defensive NFL team. Right, James? Yeah. Exactly. So the offensive team was cool, but we're trying to make a team that now stops that offense. Sounds like a pretty hard task, but I think we can do it. It'll be the same thing just like last time. It was taken very well, well regarded. A lot of arguments, a lot of uh, heated debates. And uh, we're going to try and come up with one player per position. We're going to start off with D-line today. Trayden, who you got? I mean, I don't think we're going to argue about this one, are we? Hope not. I think we are. (laughs) Aaron Donald, dude. Duh. Um, let's, I'm, I'm not even going to get into his stats because I'm sure everyone else will. Let's look at this, okay? He had his worst season by, by, by um, PFF Pro, what is it, Pro uh, Football Focus rank at 93. 
That was his worst, and he was still the best in the NFL. I'm done. Mic drop. <laughs> Tyler, you got? Yeah, Aaron Donald, man. I mean, this guy's the most dynamic, fun defensive player to watch in the NFL. He's an absolute beast. Uh, on top of all the stats and all that stuff, just watching the dude train, watching the dude get at it is just so exciting to watch. So got to go with Aaron Donald. Alex? <laughs> Aaron Donald, baby. Three-time defensive player of the year. He gets quadrupled team, James. He's the best player in the NFL, offense or defense. Aaron Donald. Eric. Got to go with AD. And I'm not talking about Anthony Davis. I'm talking about Aaron Donald, everybody. We've we've covered him. It's got to be Aaron Donald. Right, James? Disagree. Food for thought. I lost this one, obviously, but food for thought real fast. Did you guys see J.J. Watt's tweet at all about the T.J. Watt versus Aaron Donald thing? Mm-hmm. I saw uh, the tweet did. about him taking a lot of time to order DoorDash. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, does, that does count. That was the <laughs> DoorDash. Is, <laughs> that was exactly the tweet I'm talking about. Uh, but honestly, though, DoorDash is – dude, there's so many offers on there. <laughs> not, a spo- not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> not a sponsor. But maybe one day. Better than a freaking fresh filet or whatever Tyler uses. Hello, fresh. Subway. So Hello, Fresh. There we go. Subway. Okay. Anyway, rewind to the tweet. Aaron Donald won Defensive Player of the Year, and JJ Watt made a good argument for why TJ Watt should have won it. TJ played in one less game than Aaron Donald this year, but still led the NFL in every major category. Uh, tackles, TJ had 53. Aaron Donald had 47. Sacks, TJ had 15. Aaron Donald had 15. Tackles for lost 12. He hits 41-26, pass deflection 7-1, interceptions 1-0. He led the league in sacks this year with 15. Last year, he was fourth with 14.5. TJ Watt has a higher tackling grade than Aaron Donald does per PFF. Uh, TJ Watt only has two missed tackles, while Aaron Donald has nine missed tackles. And Watt technically has more stops, and a stop is defined as a tackle or an assist that constitutes a failure for the offense. TJ Watt has 45. And then Aaron Donald has 22. So just who for thought, I know Aaron Donald's a monster. He's a beast. I agree that he should be on here, but you know, like that gap between TJ and Aaron Donald isn't as big as you might think. Yeah. Just, just I, thought. I definitely, I mean, I definitely would agree with that, but I think we can all agree. We see Aaron Donald doubled and triple teamed against, against every offensive line in the NFL. And he still gets, and he yeah. still gets these stats. I mean, now if TJ Watt gets to that point, I think, I think that, I mean, I don't know how young he is, so I'm sure that I'm sure that a gap is 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 is, is shrinking, like you say. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't think that's a bad take at all. But you know, I, I think that we have to give some appreciation to the fact that he's he's facing the worst of the worst on the offensive line and still putting up these numbers too. So, but I think yeah. TJ Watts a huge good is a very good uh, um, huge good guy, huge good guy, <laughs> huge, huge good guy. guy. But see, TJ Watt. His name is not Aaron Donald. So Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is just a little bit better. But maybe he did have better stats in him this year. You just, you know, educated me there. What did you just say, Eric? Did you have a – It was like that quote you said earlier about, like, the better, best, better, bet thing. (laughs) Nailed it. Butter so good. (laughs) Moving on to the linebacker. Tyler, who you got? Uh, I got Devin White of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think this, this one was a tough one. There's a lot of good uh, linebackers in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I think you could have – I, I wouldn't be surprised if you all picked someone different. Um, but 
kind of looking at all the stats, he seemed to be in the top 10 or so of kind of each one. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he led any particular stat this season, um, but he was consistently in most stats. Um, and so I think as a whole and complete linebacker, I think Devin White for me takes the cake on this one. Alex. Uh, I'm going with Bobby Wagner of the Seattle Seacocks. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, he has been one of the most elite uh, linebackers in the last half decade. He's usually at the very top of tackles, um, you know, in the season. He's leading, he's led that Seahawks team, which um, that defensive uh, team was terrible at the beginning of the season, and they really turned it around. Um, Bobby Wagner's a beast. Um, his he flies all over the field um, his football IQ is off the charts um, I'm gonna go Bobby Wagner uh, he was a leader of that Legion of Boom team that was absolutely decimating teams back in the day him and Richard Sherman both Sherman Bobby Wagner answer almost that team was insane Eric we got I got Levante David from the Buccaneers the Buccaneers yeah just because I you know I feel like I saw him a lot in the Super Bowl um and they won, so he's pretty good. Got big winners. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tyler, you're right. Um, everyone's different. I have Fred Warner. Um, I think that he's done a very he, – he's become a leader for a, for, a, for a young 49ers defense. He was named first team all pro uh, for the first time. And my biggest thing is – or one of my biggest things, I guess, is that he stayed healthy for three seasons in a row. He's played 16 games for three seasons in a row. Oh, you never see that. Oh, and by the way, you're playing against a team. You're playing on a team that saw some of the biggest injuries. I mean, on both sides of the ball, and he still managed to get 125 tackles, 79 solos, two interceptions, two interceptions, a sack. Interceptions. Um, his age, I think. I mean, he's he's young. He's had steady improvement, and he's taken as a leader. And what's also quite amazing is that Fred Warner has managed to maintain this consistency over the last three years while changing a supporting cast around him. He's still able to do that, and he's still able to, to have that flexibility. Um, he's able to stop the pass. He's tough enough to stop the stop the run. I think he's I think he's my boy. I agree with you, Traden. I also said Fred Warner, and it's going to make me sound like a huge Niners fan. I am. I'm not going to deny that ever. But Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers this league has to offer. He was top 10 in tackles, like Traden mentioned, with 125, but that's not what sets him apart. The biggest thing for me was that he was the best coverage linebacker that this NFL had this season. He was top four in yards allowed per reception of 7.5. For a linebacker who covers multiple people in one play, that's insane. He also only allowed 71% of completion percent when he, when he was targeted. And that's the lowest among all linebackers who have played 800 or more snaps. 800 is kind of like that cutoff where like you're a star, you play 800 snaps kind of thing. And he also only missed 10 tackles all season long. That was the second lowest among all linebackers, second only to Bobby Wagner, who had nine. So the fact of the matter is, like, Bobby Wagner is a good, good linebacker. He makes stops. He makes the big tackles. But he's not that good in coverage. And this league nowadays is turning to a passing league. As much as I hate to say it, I love the running game. But linebackers have to cover. They have to cover a lot. The running backs now run out to the flat, and that's their responsibility. So the fact of the matter is, the covers linebackers are key. Did anybody switch their vote? Because right now we have Fred Warner at two and everybody else at one. <laughs> I guess Fred Warner wins. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'll just I'll go with really, Fred Warner yeah. to, to, um, for all your info and education you just gave me on him. guess he's pretty good. What are you going to say, Alex? Yeah, I really don't want to agree with you. 
um, and I don't want to change my vote, but I will um, <laughs> because you did, you nailed it. Um, you know, I still think Bobby Wagner is a better overall player, but now what NFL defensive teams need, um, and that's obviously very important. So I'm gonna also change my vote to Fred Warner. No one liked my pick. Oh, we got no. a clean pit. Sorry, bud. Shit. Well, me and Tyler both had Buccaneers, guys. Just yeah. clear. Eric and I, I pick think, winners. I think Devin White had like maybe 20 missed tackles on the season, dude. He's not he's not consistent. Like <laughs> that's your one knock. Well shit. <laughs> uh not a cornerback. I did. Cornerback, who you got, Alex? Yeah, I had a lot of trouble with this one. Um, and I don't you guys can tell me if this is a bad pick. Um, but I'm going to go with Jair Alexander of the Green Bay Packers. They had kind of an, I would say, underwhelming overall defensive team, but he was an absolute monster out there. Um, he's, he was one of the best corners uh, in the game this, in this season. Um, he's also got a great name. So that has something to do with it as well. But I'm going with Alexander. Eric, we got? I got it. Our boy from the Rams, Jalen Ramsey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, Jalen Ramsey, uh, you can't crack an NHL team uh, over six months. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm still not over Yeah, that. we're talking football, though, not yeah, hockey. I'm not over that still. So. <laughs> He's probably better at football than he is hockey. I'm going to go with Jalen Ramsey. Is that the only reason why? No. Uh, <laughs> you know, ever since he did come to the Rams, they became the number one defense, so – you got to give him credit where credit is due. He you remember when he shut out. down Devontae Adams? And Devontae yeah. Adams went for like Except 90 yards on the touchdown. Except that one play when he scored on him, but yeah. <laughs> oh, did you see the quote? It was quotation marks. He did not shut him down. <laughs> he Moving shut on, down DK Metcalf at least. So that, you know, that, that gave yeah, him baby. Uh, He shut down a big baby. Congratulations, dude. The dude wears little, a bib. Yeah. And like a... He'll like, learn. He'll learn. Learn from Devontae Adams. He'll come back stronger, better, faster next season. Man, good thing I changed. And he'll my be on team. our team. I had Jalen Ramsey at first, and then I kind of like changed, like no research <laughs> thing. Um, I'm with Who you. Got I have Jr. Jr. Alexander. Is that how you say it? Um, Jr. Yeah, correct. He's 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 improved year over year. Um, he's he's allowed completion percentage. Uh, his allowed completion percentage um, dropped to just below or just above five, uh, 51 from like 53 and then 65 the year before. Um, it, it, it's clear that he was a huge part of that, um, moving the Packers to seventh and pass um, defense. Um, and he's only managed to allow only a 67.4 passer rating when targeted. That's pretty damn, pretty damn good. Um, if you're, if you're a 67 passer rating quarterback, you're probably not in this league. So <laughs> that's pretty damn incredible. Tyler. Xavier Howard of the Miami dolphins. The dude led the league of interceptions. Course. I mean, it's, this seems pretty oh. straightforward to me. <laughs> <laughs> so the one, okay. <laughs> the one problem I have with the interception fact is that a shutdown corner doesn't get targeted. Because they're doing so much, and they're shutting down their opponents' wide receivers so much that the quarterbacks don't even look their way. People are testing Xavier Howard because they know he can be beat. So yeah, he has the most interceptions. But the fact of the matter is, the quarterback's still throwing his way. That can't be a good sign. Well, he's clearly not have, being beat because he's got he's the league in interceptions. So, I mean, and how many how many times have people caught against him? So yeah, he caught the ball four times, 
but I, the opponents probably caught it like 75. To your, to your point, James, um, Alexander alone saw 30 less targets year over year. That's, that's exactly. clearly, that's clearly quarterbacks are realizing that he's not getting that. You don't want to throw the ball to him. That's where Xavier Howard will be next year. Shut down corner because he led the league interceptions this year. So he's projected. So until rather than fact, but Jay, you know, kind of like Jalen Ramsey too. Like no, <laughs> nobody throws that throws near him to him. You know, he shuts everybody down. Except Jamal Adams. Ramsey is all talk, man. <laughs> Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, too. <laughs> um, I also have Jair Alexander. The one fact I want to add here is he became a true shutdown corner in my eyes when he played in the playoff game this last year. He allowed negative yards. He allowed four catches for negative yards. That's huge. Offenses realized they couldn't beat him down the field and were afraid to throw his way, so they started running screens, but he still beat that anyway because he's that smart and that good. I think Jair Alexander wins this one. It's three to one I mean, to one. Three so. to two. One to one, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to safety. Eric's favorite position of all time. Eric, who you have, man? I have Buda Baker. Safety from the car. Safe team history. But, you know, I feel like he kind of showcased himself last year. I wish he would have scored a pick six on that play when DK Metcalf chased him down. But... Um, he's a guy that I saw running around all over the field last year. He seems to be, I've, I think I've said this word three times already, this podcast, a cornerstone of that Cardinals defense. He's most definitely a cornerstone of that defense being paid as much as he is. Trayden, who you got? I got Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, two back-to-back fantastic seasons recorded, two back-to-back above 50 50- total tackles it's pretty damn good he's already seen a drop in targets year over year which indicates that qbs are refraining from sending the ball his way we said that last last segment or last uh player um he's managed to only allow a 65.7 for passer rating when targeted that's advanced stats baby i read advanced stats that's huge um yards allowed have continued to drop to the steelers weren't ranked third in pass uh tyler Tyron Matthew, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this dude can do it all. Uh, except he, except stop Tom Brady. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's recency bias for you. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Tyron Matthew, I think he's just, he's a full package. He can tackle. He can log it down. He can pick up if he needs to. He can. He's, a, he, he's an absolute playmaker, uh, Tyron Matthew. Alex. Dude, Trade and I have been on the same wavelengths with these two segments of yours, James. I'm mm-hmm. going Mika Fitzpatrick as well. Since yeah. he got traded from the Dolphins, he has taken his game to another level. I really don't need to say much else. Traden pretty much nailed it. Um, but, yeah, he was one of the leaders on an elite Steelers defense. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> baby. Mika Fitzpatrick. God, over, um, I over. talked about him on our um, over, overrated, underrated series. I said Minka Fitzpatrick was probably the most underrated NFL, along with um, Nick Chubb. Uh, but just to add to whatever you guys had said prior to that, for a safety, having interceptions, having more interceptions is a good thing. Mainly because safety plays in the back and have no specific responsibility. They're mostly covering a zone. So being able to go and run and find the ball and intercept the ball as a safety makes you look really good as opposed to a cornerback. 
Uh, on top of that, he did have seven pass breakups, which led the league as well, which means he can get to one spot or the other. He, he's kind of the closest thing to Ed Reed that I've seen in a very long time. And that says a lot because Ed Reed was a damn good corner or not safety. Like he's all over the place. He plays in the box. He plays the traditional safety role. He's all over the place. He's good. Huge fan of Micah Fitzpatrick. Tyler, Eric, what do you guys think? What I have learned from this segment is that I'm horrible at assessing defensive talent in the NFL. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've learned that James, you taught me well, bud. Yeah, yeah dude. Think we'll have to go, my opinion. We're going to have to go with Minka Fitzpatrick. I remember just hearing his name a lot also <laughs> on, uh, on TV this year. Um, yeah, he was but, all over the place. I mean, look at how bad he played against the Browns, you know, like, I guess he did good in the season. Um, not too good in the playoffs, but you can't judge him off one game. Here's the problem with defense, I think, for me, as a, as a, more, as a more casual fan, is like for I, I know offense more because of fantasy football, which you have individual players, right, and you'll learn more about their stats and kind of how those players go. But in, in at least ESPN, fantasy, you just pick a team, and it's just the team that, that is your defense. I would like to see a league that has – individual players and you draft individual like just just like this have have four defensive players uh, that's a thing dude. i think they have that well, yeah. why don't why are we doing it it's called idp why do you want to do it? it i can change my league yeah let's do it oh god <laughs> you don't want to do <laughs> it <laughs> so like the safety is going to be the first guy you draft <laughs> <laughs> as they get you with one the number point. one overall <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Number one overall pick, make a fixed Patrick then. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> uh, Tyler, the one thing I want to tell you, just watch more football, dude. It's not that hard. They play three days out of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. But I don't know. I guess I just – I don't know. But they don't have the ball in their hands. So, like, how yeah, – how just how just Patrick does because he's accepting everything. Next, James, next time we watch football together, I need to pick your brain on the defensive side because, I like, honestly, like, I feel like – me watching football, unless they, you know, make an interception or force a fumble, I don't pay attention to defense at all. So I think I need to get. Oh, that's the beauty of the game, man. I I I, I get that clearly, uh, <laughs> but I, I I honestly don't know. I I really that's that's a weakness of mine when it comes to uh, watching sports. So next football season, we're still oh, playing for a beer question. What? Yeah, a beer Just question. Play Madden. And, and have Beer goal line question. defense every play. <laughs> and that's how you learn about defense. Goal line uh, defense every definitely. play. Guys go all out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, 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 we're going to do this a year from now. I'm going to be a, a lot better. That's that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. We'll, we'll reference back. Yeah. Uh, just to <laughs> recap, <laughs> our D-line, we have Aaron Donald. Linebacker is Fred Warner. Cornerback is Jair Alexander. And our safety is Minka Fitzpatrick. Solid team. Um, Nasty defense. I mean, I think that defense is pretty good. I think our offense would beat that defense. Uh, maybe we could yeah. push it out to the fans. Who would win our offense that we picked or our defense? Like, who's better? Who would you rather have? I'm going with the offense. Um, Tyler's probably going so with Tyler. the offense. Yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you once again, James, for – more football talk. Um, it's good to talk about football, even though the season isn't going right now. Um, I bet we'll be talking about the draft when, whenever that comes. Uh, when does that come, actually? Do you know? I'm telling April. 
Okay, so soon. Sometime in April. Yeah. yeah. Stick around, everybody, um, for that upcoming draft. You know, you don't want to miss any any uh, picks that we could have hidden for you, dark horses, etc. cetera. Uh, as we covered earlier, uh, we wouldn't be here without the listeners and the fans and the supporters. We want to thank you guys all continuing to follow our Instagrams, podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we don't have Facebook, Tyler. And um, thank you, James, for running that Instagram account. You're doing tremendous on it. Hey, had some te- technical difficulties there at the end. Uh, anyway, to finish off what Eric was saying there, uh, we thank you for tuning in and listening here to episode 35. Uh, we hope you, li- you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.